Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. My name's Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here. I want to say thank you so much for being with us this morning. I have one thing I need to do before we continue and how we normally do on a Sunday morning. Today's message is rated T for teen. If you don't believe me, turn to the person next to you and ask them if they were here last week and they will tell you it was or look around at all the people that are not here because they're mad at me because we're talking about sex. So... But if you have a teenager in here and you desire them to be in here, that's fine. But this is your opportunity to have them uh, leave if you'd like to and go be a part of the kids' ministry that is going on. No one will point and stare and say, what are you doing? It's okay. We understand. This is a parental guidance thing and we trust you and trust that you're doing the right thing for your kid and you know best. So... Uh, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that while I do this. First, we want to say thank you so much to all of our guests that are here today. We really love that you've come and uh, are worshiping with us today. As Tim said earlier, in case you missed it, we have a free gift for you. We would love to give you a T-shirt and some other information. Uh, Fill out that Connect card and take it to guest services, which is just to the right outside of this door. They will give you that gift directly after services. But this round of applause is also for you. We love our guests, so thank you for worshiping with us. Also, uh, one thing that did not get announced a little earlier is something called One Night. One Night is a citywide worship night that is this Friday night. We want to invite you to it. More information, this card, this postcard is out at guest services. Uh, This is not a simple church event. This is actually a full citywide event where they've invited churches all over. Anybody who's a Christ follower, last year they had 100 churches show up and about 2,000 people come and worship Jesus on a night, uh, and it was beautiful. This year they are expecting 10,000 people to show up, and they've rented out the Ohio Civic Center, and uh, man, what faith they have to believe to go from 2,000 to 10,000 in their second year. So let's go be a part of that. Let's go have fun. I know it's your Friday night, and I know uh, that you probably have have places that are exciting to be at, but man, what an incredible time that is going to be. Can you imagine 10,000 people together shouting the house down for Jesus? It's going to be incredible. So pick up information if you'd like to be a part of that. We would love to see you there. I will be down there uh, serving uh, as well on the, on the prayer team. So, all right. I'm assuming everybody's got their kids out. If you want to get your kids out, we are here talking about the, the series is called Sex Ed. And if it's your first time here, I'm not apologizing to you, but, uh, well, I'm sorry <laughs> that this is your first Sunday here and that, that that's what we're talking about. But this is what we're doing. We believe that, that uh, our sexuality is under assault. And so we are looking at what the Bible says about our sexuality. And uh, this week we're going to be talking about what Satan is teaching our kids about sex. And I realize that talking about sex is a little awkward. It's kind of like the dad who was out mowing the grass and his little daughter comes out to him, Daddy, 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 what is sex? And, she, and he looks at her and he's like, oh, well, I knew I was going to have this talk eventually. Now is as good a time as any. And so he begins to explain to her what sex is and he gives her the whole thing. And as he's talking to her, her eyes continue to get bigger and bigger until she begins to cry. And he's like, 
honey, what's wrong? She said, Daddy, I don't know. I, I, I don't want any of that. She said, I was just inside. And Mom said, go out and tell Dad that dinner will be ready in a couple of secs. And then you said all that stuff. <laughs> Talking about sex is awkward. Here's the overarching idea that we want to get from this, though. Are you ready for it? If you're taking notes, you've got your connection cards out, you can write this down. Great and godly sex starts between the ears before it's ever between the legs. Great and godly sex starts with proper thinking. It starts with biblical-based thinking, right? Our mindsets are set, and we are going to do this. We are going to have sex or look at our sexuality through the lens of the Bible. And so when we have our right thoughts... We have right actions, right? And so it starts between the ears before it's ever between the legs because wrong thoughts, we're thinking about our sexuality in a, in a wrong way, believing what our enemy has to tell us about it, leads to wrong actions, right? Here's what the Bible says about our enemy, the devil. It says in John 8, it says, when the devil lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Look, our enemy is out there lying to our kids about sex, about what it is, about what it's not, and we need to battle that with the truth. Jesus said this about himself in John 8, 32. He says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. free. Right. We have to know the truth about our sexuality. We need to know what the Bible says about our sexuality so that we can be free. It's not because God wants to poo-poo all your fun. It's because he's got a better way. And when you do sex his way, well, then you live life to the fullest. You have that, that fullness. You get to experience sex in the beautiful way that it was intended to be. So there are five lies that Satan is teaching your kids about sex. I'm going to give them to you really, really quick. We'll deal with them at the end. But the first one is that sex is no big deal. This is the first lie that the, that the Satan is telling your kids, that it's no big deal. Like, come on, everybody's doing it. Like, all the cool kids are doing it. And if you want to be cool... You need to be having sex. And if you're not having sex, well, I, I feel sorry for you, right? Like, because you could just be friends and have sex. You can have casual sex with each other. They call this friends with benefits. Like, you know, one of the things that you and your friends with benefits should try out is oral sex. And so the second lie that he's telling kids is that oral sex isn't sex. And kids are buying into it. Our 42nd president in one fell swoop changed the way that we viewed oral sex. Why? Because did he have oral sex with that young lady that was not his wife? Yes, he did. But did he have sex? No, he did not. I did not have sexual relations with that young lady. <laughs> I've never even done a Bill Clinton impersonation. That was just, I just tried it. There it was. It was free. That's right, Matt. It was free. It wasn't even in my notes. But he changed the landscape of what we believe because... He didn't have sex, though he had oral sex. The third thing that Satan is trying to teach our kids is that it's cool to be bi-curious. See, parents don't really understand what this means. They don't understand that, that kids are being taught that, you know what, you can play both sides of the field. You can dabble here, you can dabble there. It's your body. You can do whatever you'd like to. It's okay. It doesn't mean that you're gay. You can try both sides. The fourth thing, porn is awesome. Porn is awesome. And kids, man, they, they don't understand how difficult it was back in the day to get a hold of pornography because today it is so freely, readily available to them. You, there's, you can't look up things on the Internet without being exposed to softcore and even hardcore pornography. 
You can't even be on Facebook anymore. If somebody wants to friend you, you click on their profile to look. What is one of the first posts that some of these spammers are out there trying to get your attention? It's pornography. I had one this morning. Not only did I report them, I reported the image, and I blocked them. Kids, though, they're just getting exposed to it on a regular basis. They're learning that porn is awesome. Fifth thing, the fifth lie that the enemy is telling our kids is to dress hot. He wants them to believe that they're in their sexual prime, that they need to show more. Don't conceal, reveal. Wear yoga pants all the time that are two sizes too small for you. Get those cool little pants with the writing on the rear end, you know, and make everybody look at all your junk. You say, boy, he's hitting really close to home today. The enemy wants our kids to believe that they need to dress hot. Now, if you're getting upset about this, that I'm talking about it like this, let me, let me just say this, that respectfully, I'm going to request that you pull your head out of the sand. Because just because you're uncomfortable talking with your kids about sex, and because you are avoiding having the conversation with your kids about sex, doesn't mean that they aren't already talking about sex. Because at the age of second and third grade, my kids were exposed to way more than I was ever exposed to, even in my teen years, about sex. They are having discussions about it. So with that in mind, let's do this. And my encouragement today, guys, trust me, I'm an encourager. I know this is heavy stuff, but I'm trying to encourage you parents to begin to have conversations with your kids. If they're not here today, maybe take this message and listen to it together. Watch it together. Talk about it together. All right, sorry. So with that in mind, let's talk about this. What Satan doesn't want your kids to know about sex. The majority of this is going to come from, from uh, the book in Corinthians uh, in the Bible. And uh, this is Paul. He's writing a letter. Let me just give you a little bit of context. He's writing a letter to the church in Corinth. And what you need to know about Corinth is it was a port city, right? It's just you could, you could boat there real easy. You can get to it easy. You could travel on land or by sea and you could get there. And what, was, what drew people there is that you could go to Corinth and get any kind of sex that you wanted to. Any, you could experience anything and everything that you wanted to. In fact, they had temples there to their gods, not to Jehovah, not to our God, but to their gods. You could go to those temples and they had prostitutes there. And you went to the prostitute and you slept with a prostitute to receive blessing. Like, for example, farmers once a year would look at their wives and say, hey, honey, I'm headed to the temple. She knew what he was going there for, right? He was going there to have sex with the temple prostitute so that his crop would be blessed. You're like, no, McDonald, don't go. Makes that song very different. <laughs> Old MacDonald had a farm. E-I-E-I. Ew. But this is why they were going. They were going to have sex. That's why that was the big draw. And so Paul spoke to this situation in the letter that, that is in the Bible called 1 Corinthians. And the first thing that I want you to get from the letter that Paul wrote is... And this is the overarching message for today, specifically, is that your bod belongs to God. Your bod belongs to God. Everybody say it with me. My bod, my bod belongs to God. Or we will try that one once again because that was really, that was my fault. It was poor leadership on my part, okay? My bod belongs to God. We're going to do it. One, two, three, and go. Yeah, that's it. My bod belongs to God. In 1 Corinthians 6 19 through 20, which is tattooed on my wrist, by the way. It says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. 
It says to honor your God with your body. And some of you are pushing back. You go, what's the big deal? It's my body. I can do whatever I want to, right? Like this feels good. I want to do it. But, but let me ask you something. Be- because it's really not your body. Did you create your body? No. God did that. Do you heal your body when you get sick? No. God does that. He put a healing process in place in your body. He created the plants and the chemicals that are used by doctors to make you well again. God created all these things. I mean, if we actually believe what the word of God says, that he created all things, then our bodies belong to God. When your body dies and and he resurrects you in the last day and takes us all to heaven, are you the one that resurrects your body? No, God does that. Are you the one that's going to give you a new body when you get to heaven? All this is scriptural, by the way. No, God does that. Your bod belongs to God. That's why in verse 13 he says, The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. The body is not meant for sexual immorality. So, so people say, all right, Aaron, well, that's great. So my body is meant for God. It's not meant for sexual immorality. But what, what is sexual immorality? Is like looking at pornography? Is that sexual immorality? Is, is like premarital sex? Is that sexual immorality? Is adultery or, or fooling around? Sexual immorality? Well, we know that our Bible is written in two languages, Hebrew in the Old Testament and Greek in the New. And so what the translators have to do when they see that word is decide, how do I translate this best for the English-speaking people to understand? So if we were to look at the Greek word that is translated and summarized as sexual immorality, we look at the definition. The, word, the actual word is pornea. You guys recognize the word? Porn. Nia, that's the word, the Greek word that's written there in the Bible. It says it means illicit sex, including adultery, incest, premarital sex, or any extramarital sexual arousal, right? Understanding what that means, what pornea means, broadens our understanding of sexual immorality. It means like any extramarital arousal. So is porn included in sexual immorality? Yes. Is fooling around, visiting the heavy petting zoo before you're married? Is that sexual immorality? The, the answer is yes. Is adultery? Yes. All these things are included in it. Let me spell it out for you. Outside of marriage, sexual immorality is, so you, there's no intercourse. There's no outer course. That's, you know, rubbing your bodies together for arousal, right? No intercourse, no outer course, no upper course, no lower course, no coursing from the rear, no coursing at all, guys. No coursing. No coursing. That, that's, what that, that's what that means. Now, this is the what of sexual immorality, but we all understand that just understanding sexual immorality, the what, is not what's going to sustain us. Because if you explain this to your kids, that's not going to keep them from doing it. They need to understand the why. Because when they understand the why, they will, they will resist. They will resist temptation. They will fight the urges. They will honor gods with their bods. Why? Because their bod belongs to God. So here's the three reasons why we need to stay sexually pure. The first reason is sex is sticky. Sex, sex is sticky. My daughter, for whatever reason, uh, years ago, she, uh, she, she wanted to chew gum a lot. And, uh, and she still does now, but, but like it was like to the point where she got her favorite kind of gum. It was this watermelon kind of gum. And after, anytime after she ate, <coughs> she'd pop it in a new piece of gum, right? 
sometimes that would be like 15, 20 minutes before she went to bed. And we kept telling her, Kasaya, look, you're, you're going to go to bed, you're going to chew this gum, and it's going to get in your hair. And gum, folks, if you've never had it in your hair or outside of your mouth, is sticky. It's like Polly Shore, sticky. <laughs> Anybody remember Polly Shore? Okay, so that's a reference that's cool. We can hang out with that, all right. And we kept telling her, and there was a couple times I caught her, go and hug and kiss her goodnight, and she's chewing gum, like, babe, spit out the gum. It's going to wind up in your hair. You're really going to hate that. And one morning she woke up, and she had gum and hair stuck to the side of her face. And try as we like, we tried to comb it out. We tried to loosen it up with peanut butter. There was all kinds of ways we tried to get the gum out of her hair. What it came down to was cutting a little chunk out of her hair. And she, thankfully, my daughter's got a lot of hair, so it's okay. Like, if you've seen her, she is like a flowing mane. She's all right. But, but we had to cut it out. But it was painful trying to comb that out. It was painful trying to get it out. I'm just thankful it wasn't like the last time her hair got stuck. She got stuck on a treadmill once, and it just pulled a chunk of hair, like, right out of her head. She had a bald spot up here. Like, and it shone through, like, the hair. So I just took a black Sharpie and colored it in. <laughs> That's a true story. I did that. <laughs> I did that until the hair grew back in. <laughs> what fixes everything? Duct tape or Sharpie. You know what I'm saying? And we weren't going with the duct tape on that one, so. But, but sex is sticky just like that gum. It's sticky. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 6. He said, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them, stick them together with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. Look, what's, what's God's plan for sex? God's plan is that for one man and one woman to be united in marriage. And that the virgin man and the virgin woman would spend their wedding night together. And that upon the virgin male entering the virgin female, with penetration, blood would be shed. And with that blood being shed, a covenant was made between the two of them. Because without the blood being shed, there's, there's a covenant won't, can't be established. So this covenant is, is established between the two of them. And the Bible says that a man and woman are united together. They become one flesh. That's God's plan for us. That's, that's what's happening. Sex is sticky. It unites. It joins people together. Did you know this? That there's even a chemical that is released in your brain called oxytocin. That as you are making love, it is being released in your brain. And you know what one of its functions is? It's a bonding chemical. It bonds you together emotionally and mentally. Sex is sticky. It's sticky. It's kind of like this tape. And I've asked Jason to come up here and help me. But it's kind of like this tape. This tape is sticky. It is meant to bond. It is meant to stick to stuff. And I've asked Jason to take this tape and stick it to me. Right on my sunburn, buddy. Pat it on there. No, no, get it on there real good. We want to really take some hair with it this time. Some of you are thinking right now, my pastor loves me this much, and go. Oh. Now stick it to my jacket. Get a little bit of fibers on there. You got a lot of hair on it already? Pull it off. Now, Jason, now that you've stuck it to me, Go out and stick it to some people out there. Stick it to yourself. Come on, find some people. Put your arm out, put your or clothes. We'll take it all. Whatever you want. Arm, 
We'll take it all. The point is, is that, that the tape is sticky. And the more you stick it to other people, every time you rip it off, a part of them comes with you. A little bit of them goes with you every single time. Until what happens to the tape. Once enough people have been stuck to or once that tape has been applied enough times, what happens to the tape? It's, it's no longer sticky. Got one more. It's no longer sticky. People wonder why their marriages don't stick. Well, it's because they gave away all their sticky before. Let me take a look at that, Jason. So what we've got on here, we've got a lot of hair. We've got, oh, we got a lot of fibers. We've got a lot of stuff. And look, this tape won't even stick to me anymore. Sex is sticky. It's meant to stick. It's meant to stick you together, meant to bond and to unite. So don't give away your sticky. Our bond, our bod belongs to God. The second reason that we should be sexually pure is because sexual sin is messy. Sexual sin is messy. 1 Corinthians 6, 18, Paul's encouraging the people again, this is the same chapter, he says, flee from sexual immorality, which we understand what that is now, right? Pornia, free from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside of his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Look, all sins separate us from God, but not all sins have the same consequences, right? Many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you have had to go through the pain of an STD, the isolation of that sexually transmitted disease, wondering, will I ever experience love again? Can I ever become intimate with anybody again because of this disease that I've contracted? Others, others of you understand the fear and the pain that comes along and the shame that comes along with an unwanted pregnancy. Because you got pregnant with somebody that you, you don't really care for and they're really not even in your life. It might even just been a one-night stand. Sexual sin is messy. Some of you understand the brokenness of the relationships that happen because you thought you were in love with them and maybe you were a virgin before you met them. You gave them your V card and then they're like, deuces, I'm out. And you're like, I gave it all. I gave the last thing I had of myself to you. And the confusion that sets in. Am I unlovable? Was this even valuable? Is this all I'm good for? In premarital sessions that I do, because when I, when I marry people, I require these premarital sessions. I have never had anybody say to me, Aaron, you know why I can't marry her? Because she's got a parking problem. That girl doesn't know how to park. She gets all kinds of tickets. She parks in the wrong places. There's even the bright yellow stuff on the curb, and she parks right in front of it, in, fire, in front of the fire hydrants. I just can't seem to marry her. I've never had a girl say to me, Aaron, I can't marry him. He's a jaywalker. He will see that sign, it says don't walk, and he walks anyway. Sometimes he's just walking across the middle of the road when there are clearly marked crosswalks that are available for him. They, ne they never say that. No, both of those things break the law, but they don't break relationships, right? But I have heard, I have heard women say to me, Aaron, I don't know if I can get past the fact that he, that he looks at pornography on a regular basis. Because when he does that, it, it makes me feel dirty. It makes me feel like I'm not enough. I, and, I, and I don't trust him. I feel, I feel insecure around him. I, I don't know how this marriage is going to work. I have heard that. I've also heard, Aaron, I don't, I don't know, man. She's, she's, she's had so many sexual exploitations. 
in the past. She's been with so many partners that I'm not sure that I'm ever going to measure up. Is she constantly comparing me to them? I feel insecure about myself as a man and in my relationship with her. I mean, because she was unfaithful before God, will she be unfaithful now that she's a Christ follower? I, I just don't know. It leaves lots of questions. Sexual sin is messy. It is messy. What I have never heard is that, Aaron, I really wish that we hadn't done this thing God's way. Never heard that. Never heard somebody get married and honor God with their bods and get on the other side of the marriage where they begin to have God-blessed sex. And they go, man, this was, we should have just been ripping it up before we got married. I can't believe I've been missing out on this the whole time. I've never heard that. I've never heard somebody regret that they honored God. I have heard people say, I wish I could have done it differently. If I had known then what I know now, I would have lived my life completely different. I would not be carrying all the burdens that I carry now. I would not be carrying the shame. I would not be carrying the insecurity. I would not be carrying all this stuff. Because when you are bonded to somebody, you carry a part of them with you, even though you're not with them anymore. Sexual sin is messy. It's sticky. But our bods belong to God. The third thing that you need to know that the devil doesn't want you to know and why we should honor God with our bodies is because sexual purity is an act of worship. Sexual purity is an act of worship. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. We can worship God with a song. We can worship God with praise where we tell him how thankful we are and tell him how awesome he is. We can worship God with our giving financially and of our time. We can worship God by giving of ourselves. We can worship him many ways. We can worship him in the way that we love each other. And we can worship him with our bodies. Because our bodies belong to God. So how does this all play out? Well, the enemy wants to lie to your kids. He wants to tell them that sex is no big deal. That oral, uh, oral sex isn't sex. He wants to tell them that porn is awesome. He wants them to believe that it's cool to be bi-curious. He wants them to know that they should dress hot. But here's what I think. I think when kids understand the fundamentals of what God wants them to know about sex, that their bod belongs to God, when they understand that his standards are higher than the world's, I believe that they will rally behind that. I believe that they will raise that standard in their lives themselves. I believe that when they know these things, that when the enemy tries to tell them things, they can battle because they know that sex is sticky that I need to protect my stickiness, that I need to have a desire to be bound to my spouse for the rest of my life. They need to know that sexual sin is messy, that sex complicates every relationship that you involve it in. It complicates it. Sexual purity is an act of worship, that they know that their God belongs to, or that their bod belongs to God and that they can honor him that way, that they can worship him that way. When they know these things, it diffuses the lies of the enemy. So when, this, when the enemy says to them, sex is no big deal, they can say, oh, no, it is actually a big deal. Because, see, God is so good that he saw a man alone in the garden that he created woman just for him. And he created this thing called marriage and gave them sex and allowed them to be united together. That in the act of lovemaking, it would symbolize the covenant that they have to love each other till death do them part. 
No, it is. It is a profoundly big deal. Kids can battle the lies of the enemy. When, they, when he tells them that oral sex isn't sex, they can say, no, my body's not meant for pornea. It's not meant for extramarital sexual arousal. Look, just because you look, touch, and don't insert doesn't mean that you are not in danger of suffering the consequences of sexual sin. Kids need to know that. And when they know that, they'll battle that. No sexual act outside of sex between a married man or a woman is blessed by God. It's cool to be bicurious. Look, as unpopular as this may be, and as offensive as this is going to come off, God created man and woman. Homosexuality is unnatural. It is biblically, it is against the way God designed us and created us. It is not what he blessed. Therefore, because it is ungodly, it is sinful. Porn is awesome. Look, what all porn is, is a self-centered way of feeding you the lustful desires of your own flesh. It degrades people, it turns them into objects. Trust me, if you wanna ruin every relationship that you have with, with somebody of the opposite sex, one in which you desire to go further with them and to marry them and, and to honor God that way, if you want to ruin every relationship, involve porn. Substitute real intimacy with that person with the lustful, uh, lustfulness of looking at porn. Trust me, you will destroy that relationship. When he says dress hot, they can fire back, no, modest is hottest. They can understand that, look, if I have to dress a certain way, if I have to look like a prostitute to get a guy, that is not a guy that I want. Oh, you all are quiet right now, and that's okay. Girls, you need to understand, young ladies, that you are beautiful, and you are created just the way God wants you to be. You are special in the eyes of God. Young people, if you're here in this room, let me tell you, don't worry about fitting in. God did not create you to fit in. He created you unique. He created you to stand apart. He has a purpose and a plan for your life that is better than anything you can imagine. Parents, you're going to have to teach your kids these principles. And more than teach them, you need to live them. See, because you don't reproduce what you teach, you reproduce what you are. And if you're not willing to raise this standard of sexuality in your life, of avoiding sexual immorality, of fleeing from it like the scripture says, then your kids won't either. And I know some of you are going to push back and say, well, Aaron, even if I do live that way, kids are going to be kids. They're going to make their own decisions. You're right. They are. And I'm well aware that the kids of this generation are tempted way more than you and I ever were. Because the temptation is greater. It is at every turn. It is on their device. It is on the television. It is on the computers. It is in the checkout lanes. It is everywhere. We are over-sexualized as a culture. So I realize that their, their potential for evil is much greater. However, I will tell you this. In a world of experiences that are empty, they will rally behind something that, it, that it is worth, that is full of life. When they sell, sell out to Jesus, they will pursue a standard that is higher than anything that you and I ever followed growing up. So parents, raise up that standard for sexuality, not only in your lives, but in their lives. Pray for them. Encourage them. Celebrate victories that they've experienced. If you've got a kid that comes to you and says, Dad, I had an opportunity to look at pornography, but I turned it off. Celebrate that with them. Encourage them. And when they falter, don't shame them. 
Love them. Love them the way that God would love you. And restore them. Stand by them through the consequences. As parents, Satan will tell you that because you didn't do it right, you don't have the right or the privilege or you shouldn't be telling them how to do it because you made plenty of mistakes in your life. But look, when he tries to put that shame on you, when he tries to put that guilt on you, you need to give it the Taylor Swift treatment and shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. You need to pray like David prayed in Psalm 51. He said, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Because there's nothing that you can face or have faced. There's no pain, there's no shame that God cannot overcome. You are not trapped. And God wants to renew you and create in you a new heart and a new spirit to sustain you. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Father, I pray in this moment that you would renew us from the brokenness and baggage of sexual sin. I would ask everybody here in this room to look at your own life for just a moment. What baggage from the past are you carrying? Is it guilt or shame? Is it something you did? Maybe it's from something someone did to you. Or maybe it's something you're currently doing. Maybe you're trapped in sexual sin. Maybe you're a slave to masturbation or sexual thoughts or you're an, you're an addict or, or you're addicted to pornography. Or maybe you struggle with homosexual thoughts or actions or maybe you're even considering or you're in the middle of an adulterous relationship right now. Look, let me say, if you are divinely uncomfortable in your heart right now, know that God is here just to love you through that. He is here. He wants to see you experience life to the fullest, to see you free from the pain of your past and your current sexual slavery. Right now, you can begin that path. We're going to pray a prayer, and, and you can begin that path to freedom of sexual immorality. But it doesn't stop here with this prayer. That's just the beginning. You need to find somebody in your life that you can have a conversation with. James 5, 16 says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Because let's be honest, if you could have gotten yourself out of this cycle, you would have done it already. Not only do you need to honor God with your bod, but you need somebody to walk with you through this, through this restoration progress or process. So right now you can begin that. You can ask for God's help to be healed. Or you can walk out of here the same way that you walked in. It's your choice. Either way, right now, if you want to be free from the pain of your past and your current slavery to sexual sins, I want to pray for you. And I'm going to pray a prayer with every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you and you say, Aaron, that's me. I'm caught up in something. I'm not going to have you identified. I don't want to embarrass you. Nobody's looking, but if that's you, would you just shoot your hand up and say, Aaron, that's me. Pray for me. That's me. Shoot your hand up. Say, that's me. Come on, be honest. Be honest. There's more than there's, there's, there's more than this. You can put your hands down. Thank you. Father, I pray that you would set us free. Lord, that you would heal our hearts and you would renew in us a right spirit. God, that you would give us a clean heart today. And Lord, I pray that you would give us the power to commit our bods to you. Lord, that when temptation comes our way, we can fight it with the truth that we know 
and that we've learned today, our bod belongs to you. That sex is sticky. We want to keep our stickiness. That sexual sin is messy. And that we want to worship you, not with just our words, not in just our songs, but with our whole lives, and that includes our bodies, Lord. Help us to do this, God. Sustain us today. Now, there are those of you that are here, you'd say, you know, Aaron, I'm not in an intimate relationship with God. I'm not following Jesus, but today I'm being drawn toward him. You know what proof of that is? Is that you're here today. You're in this building today. That is proof that God is drawing you to himself. You know, maybe, maybe you feel like there's a sexual barrier that is keeping you from giving your all to God today. But let me tell you, God's love is ready to break through that barrier and love you right where you're at. He doesn't care what you've done. He loves you anyway, and he's ready to forgive you. He's ready to welcome you into his family. If you're here today and you'd say, I want to I begin that relationship with him. I'm going to pray a prayer. And you can be counted in on that prayer. Maybe you don't know how to pray. I'll pray the words. You can repeat them silently to yourself. But if you want to be counted in on that prayer, I'm going to pray. Would you just shoot your hand up now and let me know. Aaron, count me in on that prayer. That's me. I want to be counted in on that prayer. I want to give my life to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Thank you. If you're listening by podcast today, we thank you for listening to us. We want to say that if you're here and that's you, you're just listening you say, Aaron, I want to give my life to Christ. No matter where you're at, you can pray this prayer with us. You're watching live by Periscope. You can pray this prayer with us now. God will meet you right where you're at. I believe that he is capable and able to reach you. Pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that you came to this earth, that you lived a sinless life. You died a brutal death on the cross and rose again in three days. All for me to demonstrate your love for me, a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Let your love transform me. Give me your spirit and the power to live for you. Show me how to do that. And I'll spend every day doing it. Be Lord of my life, Jesus. Amen.